If you're looking for a fling, or a lifetime, or a well I'm free Friday anyway kind of thing, find it on Bumble. Fall in love with dating. Welcome to Finger Food, empowered by Bumble. I'm your maitre d' Stacey O, and I'm here to serve you intimate conversations around sexuality and pleasure. On the menu is a selection of heart-to-hearts with people who vulnerably share their stories, insights, and perspectives. This podcast is about sex and so much more. We explore connection, letting go of judgment, and accepting ourselves exactly as we are. Let's dine. In this episode, I chat to Maddox Drew. Maddox is a psychology student, special needs carer, and proud nerd. Psychology is one of their greatest passions, and he feels is his purpose on this planet. In this intimate conversation, Maddox shares their journey with transitioning at school, how he experienced sexism as a girl and then male privilege as a boy, all the while coming up against transphobia. Now non-binary, they talk about how their sexual preference has changed and evolved throughout his transition, and how they have navigated relationships along the way. It's great to have you here at the table. Let's get started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So welcome, Maddox. It's Thank so you. wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to come in and chat to me and yeah, share your experience. Absolutely. Wonderful to be here. Oh, <laughs> so let's just dive straight into it, shall we? Absolutely. So my first question to you is, where are you from? What's your family background? Um, so born and raised in Auckland. Uh, my parents are both English, London, Surrey, as far as I know. Um, yeah, my family's kind of in Hamilton as well as in 
mainly out east in Auckland. Uh, so definitely a more conservative side of things in regards to who my parents are as people, but they're definitely a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have an older sister. So, yeah, I don't have any really strong attachments to my cultural side, if that makes mm. sense. Obviously, I'm, well, I'm European, so, like, my world's <laughs> around me all the time anyway. Yeah. So I've never had to look for it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of just my mum and I mainly mm. and my granddad on my mum's side. That's my main family at this moment. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> and um, next question. <laughs> what are your pronouns and what do they mean to you? So I go by he, they, now. Um, the they part of that is a more recent development. Um, I used to go by she, her before I realised I had a choice in what I went by. Um, and then the more I've gone into my transition and the more I've kind of just explored how I feel within the gender binary, I realised that I actually don't strictly adhere to being a binary male so I was mm. like let's try how they feels and people around me were using they a lot more often so the more comfortable I got with it and also wider people around me social circles and things like that I was like actually I can do this so mm. yeah he they are what I'm trying to go by now and maybe I'll go into strictly they them but at this point I'm pretty fluid between both expressions mm. yeah beautiful beautiful and so, yeah, you mentioned to me prior to this recording that your experience of being trans, a lot of your sexual experiences are deeply integrated, obviously, with your gender journey. Mm. So I'm interested to know what your sexual orientation is in this moment and, and what that means to you. So if I were to put a label on it, I would say either queer or pansexual. Um, I've never really had a preference ever for um, a certain body type or for how someone looks to me if someone's cute and they're mm. trying to kiss me I'm gonna and you know consensually I'm gonna be like okay you know it's not too much a, it's not too much of a big deal for me um, and I thought everyone was like that growing up mm. so uh, growing up as female you kind of get taught this very certain way and especially from me coming from a more English kind of background with quite conservative polite grandparents sex was never something talked about, and especially not female sexuality. So when I was growing up, I thought people only talked about their guy crushes, but they didn't talk about their girl ones. I just mm. thought that was kind of the rule. And then when I started to actually express to other people, like, hey, that girl's cute, they were like, huh? And they got really confused. So, mm. yeah, I kind of always knew that I was pansexual, but I didn't realise that it was a label that had to be differentiated from the heteronormativity mm. that was around me. And my sister, um, bless her heart, but she's also... She's so incredibly heterosexual. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I wasn't exactly looking at my older sibling being like, oh, this is there's different ways of expressing myself outside of these binaries mm. because she's so perfectly slotted into them. And that's nothing wrong with that, of course, but it didn't provide me. I had to kind of navigate that world very much on my own. Mm. There was no family context in which I could... I didn't know what the word pansexual was until way later into my life, whereas some people know from the age of, you know... 10 and especially now you know so mm. yeah it's been a bit of a complicated journey but then also a very simple one more mm. just I've always known but I didn't realize it was something I had to know and actually explain to people if that makes yeah, sense totally. yeah totally 
how did that feel navigating that growing up and knowing that your sister was very heterosexual very (laughs) fit in the box and then you're saying that for you 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 just didn't realize that not everyone was feeling these Mm. feelings towards multiple genders and sexualities (laughs) and all the things how did you navigate that um with difficulty probably Mm. was the best answer for that uh because you're growing up growing up the way I was, I was deemed pretty enough to be a pretty female, but I wasn't mm. as pretty as my sister. I also wasn't as straight as her, you know. Mm. So I think a lot of my life, especially her being older, she was navigating a lot more mature experiences that I was desperate to be a part of, but I was still just that year younger. Mm. Um, so navigating it was just kind of learning how to, kind of being reintroduced to sexism on a more fronting basis, kind of the slurs that boys would always call girls for because mm. I was confrontational my sister wasn't who would have thought uh, <laughs> <laughs> typically an attitude of mine apparently so growing up I was always very bossy and always always mm. this and my sister was always very quiet and polite so I grew up knowing that I wasn't her but I had no idea that that was something I had to actually manage mm. um, so yeah in regards to my sexuality I guess the internet was honestly a blessing um, obviously there's a lot of quite cursed content out there but it definitely you know I did countless quizzes to try and find out who I was um and hundreds of thousands of them I've never been an amazing top student in anything but I was acing those quizzes (laughs) I was getting 100% like yeah I'm so gay like this is amazing yeah so the internet was a big one I think in that amazing (laughs) amazing and I guess, yeah, we've kind of gone into this, but the, the how did your sort of relationship with your sexuality change throughout your transition? How did that evolve and how did that look and what ages were you? In? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, going back to slightly shorter me. Uh, yes. I, well, when I was a girl, I was far more attracted to girls growing into my teens than I realised mm. to the point where I was like, I could never be with a man. Oh my God, men kind of thing yeah i still maybe hold that attitude now but it's <laughs> definitely a bit reversed so yeah when i started to transition and started to get on testosterone and things like that and it affects your sex drive and the way you experience pleasure in general mm. but also only being about 14 15 at the time of my transition i started to realize that um i wasn't actually as attracted to female so when i I was identifying as gay, but it wasn't actually the person who I was identif- attracted to. It was the whole idea of actually being gay, so to speak. Mm. So when I was female, I was more attracted to other females. But then when I started looking and presenting more masculine, I realised I liked men more and more mm. masculine presenting people. Um, so the areas of my pansexuality never changed, and that always remained a constant. But I realised that my attention, so to speak, kind of diversified across and I started to appreciate things in masculinity that I found attractive than what I found attractive in femininity. Mm. But then at the same time, when you're trans, there's this narrative that is perpetuated of you aren't fuckable (laughs) and you aren't wanting Mm. to have people who don't want to have sex with you and people that do want to have sex with you. Um, they're from kink communities, Mm. which is fine, but not, you don't always want to be a fetish, you know? Um, Mm. I mean, I was quite young when I was hearing these narratives. So going into my transition, I had the idea that people wouldn't want to have sex with me. And that changed quite quickly when I realised that people did. And I was like, oh, this is surprising. But um, the attitudes towards sex from women versus sex from men and how that's being taught on a binary sense is so different. So 
it was weird navigating that not only as someone looking for people, but also um, experiencing that shift myself of what female sexuality looks like and then the entitlement to sex that men experience and having that privilege suddenly put on me. Yeah. Wow. It was a massive shift because suddenly I wasn't bossy or you know a slut or something like that suddenly it was like oh you're just a normal guy and you're a leader so mm. I went from a place in school where I was like you're a good student and you but you're a bossy girl to suddenly oh academic prefect prefect captains of all these teams leader speaking up in front of assemblies as this like poster child for the school wow but still having to navigate the intense amount of sexism and transphobia that exists anyway and um also just trying to live your life, you know, doing NCA level one and level two while being having to make decisions like, hey, by the way, when you go on testosterone, you're going to become infertile. You won't be able to have children of your own. Do you want to freeze your eggs now? And I said, if I freeze my eggs now, I'll be 25 because 10 years by the time I have to decide if having children or not. And then later on in my transition, they're like, oh, actually, no, if you went off tea, you can get pregnant again. So navigating all those in my appointments and getting into surgery and being on hormones and going through a second puberty while everyone's like, hey, pass your MCAT, you know? <laughs> so it's like, oh, and I'm God. bad at maths anyway. So it was just a lot to go through, I think. But um, it turned out all right, I think. <laughs> I, am, I am absolutely mind blown by this <laughs> and you and like how articulate you are in sharing this. And Oh, I had to do it plenty of times before. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) you're amazing. Okay, so how was your mental health over that period of... of (laughs) No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. preface that question, but I'm... No, no, it's fine, it's fine. I'm Um, in this moment. That is so much, and I can't even possibly begin to fathom what that would have been like. Well, it's interesting that you say that, because I always look at my experience of being trans in school as quite tame, and Mm. I think that's because... Um, like I love my mum absolutely but I think she also doesn't have a full understanding of obviously what was going on mentally with me during that time so she Mm. thinks McLean's did amazing with you and yeah like my school really did however people kind of forget that I also wasn't telling them a lot what was going on with me personally Mm. so um, my during my transition so when I started to realize some things I realised that my body dysmorphic kind of attitudes were definitely very gender-based into like more gender dysphoria than just generalised body dysmorphia. Mm. I was like, oh, this is a trans thing. Yikes, that's a big decision. Um, and then at that time, you know, I just was very... I felt unwelcome in my own body, I think, was is a good way to describe that. Mm. I felt too female to be female, but then too female to be a guy and then too nothing to be anything. And so at that time, it also just so happened that my nana was passing away after three years of cancer. So my mum was working full time at a job, but then also full time looking after her very sick mum. And we had very little family support during that time because I don't like my family. Um, <laughs> yeah, but pretty much like... We can blip it one yeah, <laughs> We don't need to. Um, yeah. So like the, the whole idea of like suddenly my kids going through this mental thing... Uh, it was not not the forefront of anyone's mind. And also I was, I grew up with, don't make a fuss, you know, that English attitude I think some people might be able to relate to is mm. that whole, 
oh, don't, don't bother anyone. Don't share what's worrying you. Keep that to yourself. Make it, you know, keep, you know, you set the table, make it look pretty, even if the family doesn't connect at all. You know, mm-hmm. you, you set the table. So I grew up with those kind of attitudes, even if they weren't meant to be expressed that way. The whole politeness attitude that I grew up with definitely meant that sharing my feelings was impolite. So even when I was going through very dark mental health and feeling awful, a lot of people didn't even recognize what was going on until my nana did die. And then people just assumed my depression was part of grief. Mm. And I was actually diagnosed with depression at 14, 14, 15. Mm. And um, the guy was like, oh, it's moderate. And he pretty much on the report was just like, oh, she sat pressure, you know, she sat with her nice hair. She looked well together. And it's like, of course I did. I've been taught. So mm. it was still the idea that mental health is only portrayed by people that are looking really scruffy and like uh, have awful body language. It's like, it wasn't true mm. at the time, especially for me. Um, so, yeah, my mental health was definitely kind of just yo-yoing between still wanting and just needing to get on with my life and dealing with the grief of a family member mm. while also thinking that the idea to, to, to transition was inherently selfish. And I still sometimes hold on to those attitudes today that anything I do transition-wise or for myself is a selfish act. Mm. And it's always a negative connotation with that as opposed to, you know, this is actually good for you because then you can be good for yourself mm. and other people. Mine was always like, if it's not serving someone else, then I shouldn't be doing it. So, yeah. God, we're conditioned deep. That one lies deep, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? The people-pleaser and the, and the sort of... Oh, yeah, people-pleaser. Martyr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also it's like as a kid looking after your parents. That's totally. something that's very normalised and mm. I didn't realise how deep I was into that until I started to transition and started to op- like experience differences in my sexuality and be like, this is something I actually have to work out or I'm going to be miserable yeah. forever kind of thing. Mm. Um, there was actually a night when I was one of the depths of my mental health and depression anxiety. I just could not sleep um, and I just felt awful. And so I just like ran into the bathroom and locked because it was the only (laughs) thing in my house that has a lock on it. So I ran into the bathroom and I just stared at myself in the mirror and I had no idea who I was looking at. Absolutely no idea. I had outgrown this bob that had an undercut because I chopped off my hair, but then said it was for charity and things like that was fine. And then um, there was these purple Crayola scissors, like kids scissors um, in the bathroom. And I I just had this one thought in my head, just like cut your hair off. Just do it. And so I just grabbed a massive lump of hair at the top of my head and just snipped right at the base. Wow. And no one knew I was doing this or had any feelings about this. So I looked like, um, you know, an extra off The Walking Dead, but one of the zombies (laughs) in regards to how bad the hair looked. It was, it was, definitely shouldn't be a hairdresser. Um, There was bald patches. There were long bits. It was straight. And my hair was everywhere because I had thick hair you know, thick, long brown hair. And it was on the bath. And then I packed it all up in a plastic bag and left it on the dining room for my mum. Oh, wow. And then went back to bed. <laughs> so my mum came out in the morning because it's about to go to school the next day. So it's just a, this is just a weekday, just a Tuesday probably. Amazing. And then um, she saw this massive bag of hair with a letter saying, I'm so sorry. And she was like, what has my kid done? And I come out and I'm bald. <laughs> and she's like, right. Um, we're going to take the day off school. So she took photos because, bless my mum, she thought I was having a psychotic episode, and rightly so, you know, something because I was so happy, and she hadn't seen me happy like that for for ages. Wow. So suddenly I'm so happy, and I had this, like, crappy H&M maroon polo and some fat pants and some uh, second hand-me-down Converse, 
And there's a photo of my mum and I at the beach where she's kind of smiling a bit tentatively, like, is my kid okay? And then I'm just beaming. I was so euphoric. And she buzzed my hair right down to number one because that was what I had to end up going down to. And I still had ball patches with that. Um, and then I had to, you know, I was labelled. Uh, my school at the time had a anti-gang policy, by which it means if you had a, a short haircut or a buzz cut, you are part of a gang. Definitely doesn't work that way. Interesting. Um, so suddenly I went from good student to possible gang member needs to go into isolation. I was like, mm, I'm not a skinhead. But, needs to go into isolation? Yeah, I was like, okay. Like, I'm still fine. But yeah, yeah so that was definitely like, if I say how, would it, how did I deal with it, I would say a mm. large part of me just didn't. Mm. I, the way I dealt with it was just through basic survival tactics and defense mm. mechanisms until I broke down and happened to fortunately snip my hair off. And if I didn't do that, I really don't know where I'd be. Mm. I, might, I might still be female and just miserable, you know? Wow. So yeah, I just snipped all my hair off. It was a great day. Interrupting this delicious conversation with an important announcement. When it comes to the pursuit of pleasure, especially in the realms of food, let it be known that I will always seek out the most delicious of all. And in my humble opinion, when it comes to cakes, the caker is exactly that. The caker was established by Jordan Rundell in 2010 as a made-to-order cake business, selling homemade-style cakes that, I can confirm, taste even better than they look. The bakery pumping out hundreds of cakes a day wasn't enough to fulfil Jordan's desire to provide cakes to a wider audience. So she spent several years developing a line of luxury cake kits. She chose some of her favourite recipes to turn into these cake kits and put all the same quality ingredients used in her bakeries, one in Auckland and one in LA, inside of them. All of her recipes contain almond flour, which means your baked cake will be exceptionally moist. You will never believe it came from a box. No special equipment is needed and they come complete with decorations and a non-stick baking tin liner. Seriously, why wouldn't you? You can get your hands on a kit by visiting the Caker website, www.thecaker.co.nz, and ordering online or popping into a stockist near you. So was that the point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm transitioning? It was, I wasn't actually even sure if I was trans at that point, I don't think. I think that was the point where I was like, it was the first time ever in my life that I felt I truly did something completely and only for myself. Because mm. I know that no one else wanted my hair short. And they didn't care if it was for shave for a cure or anything. They just didn't like it. Yeah. And it was the first time like, oh, I can make choices on my own. And I can actually do things like this. Like I can, this felt like I was in a movie. It felt fake. You know, mm. I was like, but I can make these choices and I had done it. And now I have to deal with, if I had done this, then it means I have to do everything else. So it was definitely, I think a lot of people see when I talk about my transition, they think, oh, when I first took testosterone, when I had surgery. Mm. But honestly, those were just baby steps compared to cutting all my hair off. That wow. was like, that was the moment where I decided everything at 15. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah. It's definitely interesting looking back on it. It's like this like fierce like action of liberation. It feels yeah. so good. <laughs> like oh, as it, you're saying cutting that, your hair I'm off like, and oh. Yeah. <laughs> If anyone hasn't had a buzz cut, get one. Showers feel amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It feels so good. Wow. And what about your um, your family around you? Obviously, you mentioned just before you. Not a big fan of them. Not Um, a big fan of your family. But what was yeah? What was the what was the support system around you? Your family, your friends, your school. Like how Mm. how did you navigate that? And and what how did they feel about 
your your transition and mm, I think for a lot of people especially in the area that I was in I was the first trans person they'd met hmm. so I was not only acting as someone figuring out because I was one of the first trans people I'd ever met and ever experienced so that was a weird thing being like hi me <laughs> you know yes. but then also having to be um, an advocate and speaker on all these very massive topics about trans rights and um, mm. what the experiences of being trans is to all these people who are desperate to know and also their 15 year old and 16 year old teenagers and you know they're 16 year old boys and I know that's a stereotype but some of them really were 16 year old boys yeah. asking about my junk and what that meant if they had a crush on me does that make them gay now mm. which was fun because I definitely looked them square in the eye and go oh yes <laughs> yeah um, I maybe had too much fun with it <laughs> I was like, you deserve it. I love um, you. But, <laughs> but um, for my sister, she, ironically enough, the first reaction I remember having her said and having been told was, my whole life's changing. And um, yes, I agree. Having a sibling come out as trans is a massive, massive deal. But also looking back, I go, well, minors, actually. I know yours is definitely changing. It's a massive shift, and mm. I fully understand what it like, what it must have been like for her, at a school of two thousand six hundred to be wedged between your siblings. Now the trans person of the school, first out trans person at this school, um, you know she got a brunt of a lot mm. of just really awful comments and disgusting, vile, just ugh, comments about so many different things. Children are so mean. Yeah, there was this there was this massive incestuous stroke that mm. went around, like a transition to try and fuck my sister. Oh, it was gross, what? and she got told that. So people weren't coming up to me a lot of the time and telling me this. Mm. It was always friends, side comments, passing whispers, um, and things like that. So I think at the time, everyone in my family, as most people are, dealt with it in the with the resources that they had, with the best knowledge that they did. But looking back, there was definitely a lot of places where I accepted and was way too passive in areas where I now would be far more, actually, no, um, mm. you know, because I became prefect and academic uh, captain after I transitioned. And it was mo mainly just for the poster child kind of view. It was the token. It was the whole, like, you're the transfers in the school and look at us. Look at us at this conservative school. Oh, Wow. And I wrote on my forms because they said, you need to apply. And I said, I don't really want to. I haven't done any co-curricular because I've been depressed and mental. Um, so I haven't <laughs> exactly gone into Kapahaka, you know, and things like that. And so all of a sudden it's like, now you need to do all these things. And there were kids that really tried hard to get prefect and they worked their whole school lives to get it. And then they kind of just handed me these things like, well, you're the trans one. And I never want to be there and I never mm. wanted to be there. Um I ended up taking it because I was like, hey, I've got a resume. This is fine. Yeah. Never used it for the resume. Um, <sighs> but it was kind of like, hey, I don't need this position. I don't want them. There are kids that I wrote this on my form. I said, there are people mm. that have worked way harder to get this job. Do not hand it to me just because I'm trans. And they're like, da, 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 da. Here's your trans Here one. You go. And I'm like, okay. I moved to Cone. That was <laughs> <Yeah>. a, <laughs> yeah. I moved to Cone for uh, people rushing after school. But um, yeah, I think I sent an email to my mum. So my mum's reaction was, my mum's been the biggest supporter of everything. She's been to every appointment that she can possibly oh, be at. Amazing. And she, you know, waiting outside of every surgery. She's met every doctor. Um, unfortunately, my dad didn't. And it wasn't because he's against me being trans. He just has, uh, he's emotionally 2D, I would say. He has no emotional capacity or has never learned how to be emotionally vulnerable. Mm. So he never talked to me about my transition. He still doesn't. Mm. It's kind of just this thing that's there. And it's quite awkward sometimes because hmm. it's like, oh, what have you been up to? It's like, oh, yeah, I've just had surgery, you know. And I'd be like, oh, cool. 
you know, it doesn't go any further than that. Whereas my mum's far more um, involved and like she likes to know about it and learn about it and see how she can help me. Because yeah, it was just like a muddled situation in regards to at the time of me coming out as trans, my dad cheated and left my mum. So he left the house wow. in the middle of my transition. So all of a sudden my mum's got a full household with me, my sister, you know, the dog, the cat mm. in the home. And then my dad's off with his new partner. And, you know, <laughs> live your life. But like it was at the time, it was it felt like a bit abandoned. You know, I felt mm. a bit abandoned. And he still stayed in the house, unfortunately, for a few months, even oh, with all the knowledge. Wow. Very awkward. Very but awkward. Very English. Oh, we won't bother anyone. He can wow. he can sleep downstairs, still make breakfast and all the things, you know? So, um, Meanwhile, you've just yeah. had surgery. Oh, no, I just come out as trans then. So okay, I, right. Yeah, and then later on, uh, a few years after, I ended up having surgery. But then he didn't know. He okay. never visited me in hospital, didn't help with any part of the recovery, neither did my sister. Wow. Um, so it was just me and my mum a lot of the time mm. against and dealing with a lot of the, the brunt of my transition because it's a lot of effort and then sadly I know so many people that were in those waiting rooms alone without a parent I honestly am just super grateful that I had someone that was my friend during that time because it's isolating Mm. and going to doctors every three months and being told that you're infertile and then you're fertile now and that I was injecting myself every three weeks and having to organize my prescriptions and needles and um while still just like hey I need to apply to uni or like I need to look into how long my wait time for surgery is and you know, trying to navigate life. And also during the ages where a lot of people are starting to have sex, you know, in, that, in regards to that topic, you know. Yes. Everyone's like, everyone's having sex. They're 16 to 18. Everyone's starting to go through those experiences. And I felt completely on the outside. Wow. It was so just a this, weird time. Had you had any sexual experiences prior to that? Prior to your transition mm, or your surgery? more Mostly, um, I would say, online flings. Nothing yeah. ever serious. More just like kids that are way too young to be sexting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the cursed likes of uh, Omegle and some other apps. Yeah. Um, your one was yellow. And I was like, God. Um, <laughs> luckily, all gone now, I hope. Yeah. But, you know, just like kids trying to explore their sexuality, but with each other, just a weird way. But I never <laughs> dated anyone. Um but I, yeah, I, when I started to transition, I had one girlfriend and she was lovely. But mm. I was like, I'm going to drag her through all my mental health stuff and all my transition. She doesn't deserve me. Mm. And I was like, OK. So I, I broke up with her because I was like, she doesn't deserve someone as mm. awful as me. She needs to have she's so pretty and she's so amazing. She mm. needs to be with someone that's going to be able to do that for her. And then um, it was this weird blend of I'm in the middle of my transition still getting some getting some forms of attention from some people but then also being completely disgusted by others and people being like hey you're disgusting and i was like nice to meet you too like wow <laughs> like okay cool um what they would say that to your face oh yeah yeah i've had people just oh i've had online comments i've had <gasps> oh i've had i think i even got an email one time i had no idea i think someone literally used my school email to message me being wow. like you're nasty and i was like okay <gasps> yeah but it was weird because as soon as I started presenting more masculine, not only did I get far more attention to be like, oh, you're actually like, oh, for a trans person, you're actually like kind of decent. I was like, what a compliment, um, <laughs> you know? Wow. And then I started being obviously a bit more upfront and face in the school. And obviously then people would meet me and not know that I was trans. And so they would start to look at me as a cis person, so to speak, cis passing, so to speak. And they'd be like, wow, you're a cute guy. 
And then I'd feel like betraying them, like, oh, I'm actually trans. And they'd be like, okay. And I'm like, oh, I can be two of those things in unison. That's amazing. Mm. <laughs> you mm. know, this is totally. a recent development. Yeah. I can be trans and cute. Wow, this yes. is not what I've been told or emailed, you wow. know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's been, it's been very mumble jumbled a lot of the time, really. Uh, wow. Yeah. This, what it was a, it was, a journey. <laughs> Well, that was just 15 to 16 months of time. Okay, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, yeah. keep moving. So what <laughs> happened next? Okay, so after you've had the surgery, you've, mm, yeah. um, you've like come to identify as trans and you've gone through that like experience of navigating all of that, yeah, yeah. your family, your, <laughs> yeah. your sister, well, your yeah. other people's projections onto you, like society, all of that. Mm. How have you since navigated your sexuality and your pleasure? Well, it's interesting you say that because my most recent surgery, it wasn't my double mastectomy. My double mastectomy was in 20, 20, 2020. And then my most recent surgery was 2021. Wow. Where I had a revision. So in regards to exploring my body openly and freely, I was in two long-term relationships most of the time. Mm. So um, my first relationship really nice guy he really um he really validated my sexuality and this was when i was 18 so i was still pre-surgery and he really validated my sexuality and also my ability to be a sexual person because i've always identified i feel as um someone that's quite sensual and sexual Mm. um but obviously that was so harshly criticized being female but then also completely removed from me being trans Mm. so then exploring the dating scene and people being like hey i like I'm into you and making moves. I was like, you, you good, bro? Like, like <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Like, you know what I am, right? Like, you know mm. that I'm this thing. So um, it's been a long time really tackling kind of the negative distortions I've had in my body because I've been so heavily critiqued. I've been mm. pinched by plastic surgeons. I've been, I prod myself with an injection all the time, um, constantly at doctors and nurses and people telling me and then kind of the online world of trans people where a lot of the people that are making channels or talking about it, a lot of them are really deep into their transition or really cis-passing, hence why they get popular, because people are looking up to them being like, wow, I can look like a guy. Mm. And then when I started to realise I didn't want that as much, I, one part of me was like, well, I'm too far to go back now. I just kind of have to keep going. Mm. And then only now am I like, actually, guys can wear skirts. Actually, anyone can wear skirts, you know? And then the more I started being like that and people actually started being positive around it for once... It's like, I've, I've worn more skirts and crop tops presenting with chest hair and a flat chest than I did ever as a girl. Yeah, And so it's been nice to kind of let, you know, loosen the reins on myself a bit, you know. I felt like I was always just given this, like, charging horse. It just went everywhere. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to control it. And now I'm just, like, spirited out, you know, mm. just, like, run away. Um, yes. You know, maybe not as soft as the Disney movie, but, you know, definitely, like, just, like... <laughs> Um, let it be free a little bit more. Um, and I started exploring makeup and um, it's still, this is like recent, this is like months, you know, I haven't done any of this because when I was in relationships with people, I felt like they also wanted me to be a more cis trans person, you know? So even if they never expressed that, I still felt like I had to have this certain way of being even in the relationship. Only outside of it, I'm actually like, actually I can explore this a lot more freely because... I still don't feel like I have to be something for someone. I can actually just do something for myself. Mm. You know, 
have a cut the hair moment yes. a, a lot more often and a lot more diluted. Oh. Definitely don't recommend just not going to a barber. <laughs> you know? um, it wasn't a great fade I gave myself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very recent development and um, it's interesting talking to people. There's still very uh, a lot of ignorance and uh, maybe not always understood ignorance, but definitely some people that are just straight up rude about the way they ask about someone's body. Mm. And especially as trans people, I think... I think when I was growing up, I thought that people were allowed to ask the questions that they did. And now I have far more respect. And because I am more cis-passing, which is a privilege that I am and can um, bend the rules a lot more comfortable, that's a huge state of privilege that I am. And Mm. um, I'm allowed to... I'm far more... I can police people a bit more in how they approach me, you know. Beautiful. Yeah, it's very. What are great. what are some of the inappropriate questions that you've been asked that you're just like that is just not okay? Like, oh. well, first day of school, first day in shorts and presenting as Drew at the time, which mm. you know last name, but neutral. I was like, hey, this this works. Yeah. Um, hadn't picked my name at that point. I think I was going by Flynn or something. Um, I was like, Flynn's a cool name. Flynn is yeah, a cool name. Yeah. I was like, but I'm not a Flynn. <laughs> I'm not cool. Um, but I was in PE and I hadn't brought my uh, PE uniform. So I sat on the sidelines with this other girl. And this was a girl I'd maybe walked to class with a couple of times. Um, she was generally interested, but I've never had anyone interested in someone like this. So she sits down next to me and I'm like, hey, you know, hi girl that I sometimes walk to class with. And she goes, oh, so like, are you a guy now? And I go, um, yeah, right this second, just decided, you know, <laughs> off a whim. Oh, quirky, <laughs> little Monday, Monday choices. Um, and then she's like, oh, the second question I ever got asked. So what do you do with your pubes? And I st- stood back. <laughs> I stood back for a second because I was like, I, I obviously misheard that. This, you know, by the way, I'm, I'm you know. Surely not. <laughs> yeah, 15. I'm like, surely. So English, you know. She wouldn't just ask me about my pubic hair. Yeah. <laughs> tosh, tosh. And I was like, yeah. So she's like, what do you do with your pubic do you like, um Do you like style it into like a penis? And I was like, I was actually kind of stunned. Because not only was I in a public wow. space of PE, um, you know, I think the teacher only just finished giving instructions. <laughs> and I was just like, do you ask everyone that? She goes, no, 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 just you. And I was like, oh, so she is, she obviously at the time saw no fault with me, her asking about my genitals as a trans person, because obviously I'm in, I'm entitled to ask that wow. question. Um, so no, I don't fishtail my pubes into a penis shape thing. <laughs> if you are, am I answering that question now for you, girl? Um, as I'm sure most people don't. If they do, good on them. I personally don't braid. They don't really get that long. You know, and it's like, it was so odd. It was the second question I was ever asked. I've also just wow. been asked, like, so do you have a vagina? And, like, just the way they ask it, it's so just, like, this. you could say hello first. It's like, yeah. before asking me about my labia. Like, you know, there are, yes. there's a little warm-up, you know, <laughs> before conversations like these that you could yes. initiate in. Or they could be like, I'm sorry to ask this, but can I ask you? Especially when it's on, like, dating app and hookups apps and things like yeah. that. I do get when people ask, what's, what's your junk doing? Because it makes mm. sense. They might lick them. You know, they, they want to know what they're Absolutely. licking. And that's fine. Mm. But some people, they're like, what does trans men mean? Or they message, or, I, or I've messaged someone, and they go, oh, I can't believe I have to say this, but, like, no, like, bloody trans And then they, like, say a slur or something. And I'm like, oh. you could just say no. Yeah. You don't have to make it about me being trans that's the basis of your rejectomy, even if it is. You just mm. say, sorry, not interested. 
you know totally. i don't reject ugly cis guys being like sorry you're cis you know i'm like <laughs> yes. sorry not necessarily i can at least be polite about it yes. so a lot of questions i get asked are mostly just like it's that interrogation style questioning it's like well how often do you have to inject yourself and do you get this like are you horny all the time and it's like what's your vagina like and it's like do you ask your friends or your mum what her vagina's like like then no then i'm i'm not actually not going to answer that and then yeah. growing up, though, I felt like I had to because yeah. they, they're entitled to know all these things about me because I'm the weird one. I, I have to explain myself all the time. Unfortunately, I've grown out of that um, through experience, you know. Mm. It's like, for the record, I have a vagina. Okay? <laughs> okay. Good? Good. We good yeah. here? Yeah, yeah we good. Like, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like how, how desperate yeah. do you need to know what's in my pants? Wow. Like, oh, my gosh. Um. It's just it's just odd when people that aren't planning to have sex with me are really interested in what I look like down there. It's like <laughs> pretty usual, honestly. Mm. You know? I'm not a Ken doll, you know, like <laughs> I'm not this cursed smooth bump, you know? Yes. Like Yeah. Some people think that testosterone does like this crazy transformation to your body. And it does. Mm. But they think like I've grown a penis overnight. Like perfectly formed and everything. Wow. And it's like no. And if I did, I think the waiting list in New Zealand is something like 30, 40 years. I don't need a dick when I'm 60. <laughs> I think I could have figured it out before then if I really needed to. None you know? of your business. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah. No, like, how's your head? How's your heart? It's like, do you have a vagina? Yeah, like, Jeff, you really don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Back up, Jeff, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. With all the wisdom that you've got now based on all of your experience of your life to date which is a lot of experience <laughs> what would you tell your younger self it's I, it's funny that you asked it actually because i recently wrote a piece kind of describing kind of this kind of journey um a very diluted part of my transition but like the cutting of the hair and things like that and i don't think i would be actually able to constructively tell younger me anything really would mm. be like watch out you know yeah. I think um, if I was to look at little old me you know with my, my bob and my intense dimples and even shorter I'd just say you, you can actually do things for yourself like it is okay um, and the choice that is right will always be the one that makes you happy and that might not be short term but it definitely will always be long term and mm. I think that's what the most important thing is, and I'll probably give little old me a hug. I'll be like, oh, you're all right. You're all right, love. You'll do. You'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, good people. People that make you laugh. People that make you, like, have abs and, like, really sore cheeks when you finish being with them. Those those yes. are the good people, you know? People that make you really, that lightness that you get in your in your soul, in your essence. Mm. That you just go, wow, this is someone I click with. This is someone I belong with. And there's heaps of them out there. But it's far better to wait for them than to stick around people who... You know, people like Jeff who ask about your vagina all the time. Fuck off, Jeff. Fuck off. Um, I'm sorry to Jeff. Like, (laughs) don't know why, but I feel like the last guy that visited me was Jeff and I just didn't like him. (laughs) You know, just, yeah. (sighs) Kindness is always a thing. And a lot of things Mm. are your choice. And you actually have to be active in the choices you make, even if it's a difficult one. Mm. You know? Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) I love that. I actually have an off-piece question, which is, I know that you're a psychology nerd. Yes, I am. <laughs> expressed to me in recent conversations. And I want to know about your driving force behind learning psychology and why you've mm. become such a psychology nerd and what you want to do with that. Oh, um, well, I think that 
me undergoing my transition was definitely an inspiration, but I've always been gravitated towards knowing about people. Mm. Maybe I'm nosy, but um, I've always just loved loved people all the time. And um, I think that when I hear about people and I learn about them and I learn for the reasons behind their behaviour, I find that part of science very empowering. I actually find science to me is very spiritual. I'm not a religious person personally. Mm. And I grew up with religious influence. But when I look at people's minds and how they work and why they react to something that the way they do or why they find certain things funny or certain things not, I always just find that the best part because the more you learn about someone, you get to see kind of how their life's played out for them. And um, even people that seem very shallow and unassuming, there's always a story and I'm a big reader. So Hmm. I kind of see psychology as being a way to dive into the chapters of people's lives, but then help them rewrite one that's going to make them happier. So I'd love to go into... um, either something like lecturing or counselling or um, I'd definitely love to work with LGBT and Takatapui and just really get involved with um, that side of psychology because it's still very heavily Eurocentric and Mm. dominated by like a cis and heteronormative lens. And so I'd love to actually be doing studies that are for trans people, by trans people, as well as by gay people, for gay people and, you know, just get everyone else involved rather than just old white men and Freud, you know, cool concepts, some of them, but we do need a little bit of an update, you know, a lot's happening with mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) We're moving forward, we're evolving, we're progressing. We are evolving. (laughs) Amazing, amazing. And before I ask my final question, I just want to know, is there anything else you feel called to share or... Um, any advice that you'd like to give anyone listening or insights or perspectives that come to mind? I think to, if anyone listens to this. Um, <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> hopefully, you know, high microphone. Um, yeah. It's just that you, you can do it and that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I felt very stuck for a long time and fortunately I was given the resources to be actually able to push past that and to do it, but those resources exist for everyone out there mm. and you can actually do it. You, you take accountability for yourself and what you're accountable for. You can't blame everyone else forever. And, you know, families are messed up, you know, they're always messed up and people don't react to sexuality and, you know, trans as well and things like that. But take accountability for what you can take accountability for. Go to counseling, go to therapy, you know, and then find a life that is worth living for you. It's too, way too short to, please other people because you'll never please anyone Oof. yeah yes <laughs> yes fuck yeah. yes to that thank you and get a buzz cut it's very fun absolutely and Top showers feel your hair amazing <laughs> with a buzz cut it feels like those like stretchy things down your head oh. they're really good yeah feeling really inspired by the buzz cut actually <laughs> um okay final question of of the day <gasps> yes what is your favourite finger food I have to say I really like fruit as a finger food on a platter I have to say a good strawberry or a good cherry mm. love a red fruit I'm a red yes, kind of gal um, yes. <laughs> so yeah I would probably say cherries but you always need a good place to spit out the pips not fun to swallow yes. <laughs> amazing it's so good to be in the summer season of all the delicious oh, red yeah. cherries and strawberries and all of their delicious yeah, yes blueberries to that as well. mm. 
guest for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been I've, an honour. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you, and this, this has great. been deeply insightful <laughs> for me. And I'm just like blown away by your just awesomeness. And yeah. You're very kind. Willingness to share. And yeah, I really appreciate you. And yeah, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. This is great. This is really fun. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for dining with Finger Food, empowered by Bumble. If you liked this conversation, you can tip your maitre d' by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to find more of my podcasts, go to stacyogorman.com. Stay safe, stay sexy. See you soon. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.